Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. We're in episode 219. Glad you could join us. Uh, we got a bunch of topics we want to go over today, but we're going to change up our introductions a little bit. Last week, Jay gave us some homework that we had to work on, which was basically to find a piece of media that has an actor that you would recognize if someone told you that they were in it, but you probably didn't realize they were in it at the time. So we're going to do our introductions and we're also going to kind of you know, fill out our homework here at the beginning of the show. So for me, I am Pokey Draven. I help host the show here. And uh, I do the Dungeon Crawl series with Libby on YouTube, and I do a lot of Dust 51, or sorry, a lot of Project Nova videos over on YouTube as well. Uh, and for my homework, so in the game Fallout 3, you play as a main character who is a silent protagonist, but your character has a father that you actually meet very early in the game. He's one of the first characters you talk to. And that character is actually voiced by Liam Neeson, which I didn't realize until today. All right, Bate, you are up. Well, so Qui-Gon Jinn's your Jedi Master in the game? That yes, sounds good. that is true. In the post-apocalyptic wasteland. All right, Bate, you're up, man. All right, what's up, everybody? My name is uh, is Bate. I'm a genuine certified Florida man. And uh, my interesting tidbit and doohickey is that Martin Sheen is the voice of the elusive man uh, in, the, uh, in the Mass Effect games. Oh, that's legit. I just now put that together. That's pretty good. That sounds pretty good. All right, Livy, you're up. Uh, yes. Um, okay, mine is, and you have to think about music videos now. So the music video for Billy Joel's Second Wind. Um, the guy that's drowning in the background in the surf, that's actually Adam Savage from the Mythbusters. That is very legit. Huh. And that's like that's from like 1985. I was like, what? That's right. <laughs> that, that's pretty good. Good stuff. All right, Jay, you're up. Uh, yeah, uh, this is Jay. I'm also one of the co's here on Biomass, and uh, I play a lot of Destiny lately, uh, amongst a few other things. And uh, so I even did a little extra homework. It's not nearly as good, but I would just offer if you look at the IMDb of any Call of Duty in the last <laughs> five years, there are any there are at least half a dozen. A minus to B plus level action heroes that literally have like they're like a background carrier character in like one of your squads with like one or two lines that you would literally literally never like you know like ah, ugh, throw the grenade you know like something like that and it'll be like Ving Rhames. Um, so that's that's my that's my shot. It's pretty weak, but since I carried the day last last week, I'm gonna call it good. <laughs> no, that's good. I'm gonna look that up now because I, I know that they've they've brought in actors for some like major roles like um crap i forget his name but you know he was in there but i didn't know they had them as background characters as well that's pretty funny oh yeah yeah like um with um probably three years ago well about three or four years ago it kind of hit its peak and if you just kind of look at the history of them and you look at the imdbs of some of these you'll have like dudes in your squad or other guys that you know like guys you go on missions with or whatever and they'll like you will they'll hear hear them say like background stuff like you know kind of like character dialogue to each other very rarely talking to you or just really just random things and it'll be uh like william forsyth he's you know a classic character actor in uh, uh in hollywood there's god i can't think of the guy's name he's been in like a little bit of everything there, there's a ton of these guys that you would recognize them immediately if you saw them on screen but they have like these little bit parts in uh, call of duty Good stuff. All right. So let's keep moving on to some topics here. So uh, Zell could not unfortunately join us this episode, but he gave us a number of topics. I'm going to actually shelve a couple of them for next week because they are probably far more near and dear to his heart than you know any of us here. Um, but there's good stuff. But the one I did want to talk about was, of course, Star Citizen, because the best time to talk about Star Citizen when Zell isn't here. So we money, can... money, 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 money. Exactly. <laughs> Poke fun at him. Um, so I'm going to kind of break down the history because I didn't realize that this was a thing that was happening in Star Citizen. So apparently you can straight up with your money, your cash money, buy credits in the game. So you can just convert real money into in-game currency um, whenever you like. There is apparently like a 25,000 credits a day cap. So you can't like buy a ton at once, I guess. And previously, there was a 150,000 credit limit to your wallet. So you couldn't actually hold more than that fixed amount of money. So they've removed that limit. So you could, in effect, buy as much money as you wanted to in-game. 
and players were saying, hey, that's pay to win. You're pretty much allowing people to buy whatever currency they want. And Chris Roberts comes out and says, no, 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 guys, it's not pay to win because winning is having fun. So as long as you're having fun, you're winning. It doesn't matter about any of the, the, the cash stuff. As long as you have fun, you're winning the game. That dude is going to get shot outside of a nightclub by some disgruntled player. Like he, he's going to be eating at a Chili's and somebody's going to figure out that that's Chris Roberts. And then some somebody's going to stagger up to him and gun him down in the parking lot. Uh, yeah, no, it's to me, this seems like it's we need money. So we're going to just give you another avenue to express your sickness with your, your wallet and just say, hey, if you want to buy as much money as you possibly can and go for it, because good God, we need it for this lawsuit we're dealing with. I just I, this is one of these weird phenomenons, you know, like, trust me, I've seen some Kickstarters that were pretty, pretty out, outlandish. But, you know, I, I've n- I have not yet invested in the Kickstarter that, that I did not receive a physical or real digital product as a real thing. You know, I, and I enjoy I actually like Kickstarters. This is like this is like, you know, there's levels to things. This is like many levels beyond a Kickstarter, many levels beyond a Kickstarter. And I'm, I'm just, I, it's one of those where I, I wonder if people are very okay with the fact that it's not, it, you know, that there's not like a game yet, or, or if people really, I wonder if people think that there's really going to be like this, like, you know, crazy virtual reality space game coming out. Cause I, it's, it's kind of beyond a joke right now. It's literally a, is this really, is this really a thing? You know, is this really just like one of the most elaborate sort of Ponzi schemes ever, so to speak. Well, and it, it, it's sad is what it is that, that, in my opinion, at least that they're having to go down this far um, to, to try and continue to get money. And it's also annoying because you know that if any other studio in the world had done this, if EA had done this, if Ubisoft had done this, if oh, you know, any of the... Dude, the, 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 yeah, exactly. The, there would be people outside of those studios literally rioting and trying to set the building on fire because this kind of thing, we, we don't expect it from from big developers, and we certainly shouldn't expect it. Even if you are a small developer, you shouldn't expect it from them either. Not to this degree. Now, like a Kickstarter, I can, I can totally get behind a Kickstarter for a game. Absolutely. We've seen some great games come from Kickstarters, but this, this is unacceptable. I think what gets me is that it's really exploiting on those people that want to be extreme whales. Cause I mean, the whole buying direct currency is already kind of like, eh, but at least you were kind of like capped in what you could do with it. But now that they're yeah. removing that, it's pretty much like, we're going to let you go absolutely batshit crazy with it. And we know some of you probably will because you've dropped $25,000 in the game already. And if we give you like an infinite pool of cash, you can stock up. Those people are absolutely going to do it because they are, mentally locked into that mindset of i must have everything and if i can buy this advantage they're gonna fucking do it i mean already it's already been kind of this like pay to win model because if you have a better ship which of course costs more when you buy it you innately have that advantage and this is just another layer on top of that and then for roberts to come out and be like oh no 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 it's not pay to win we're different from other games power levels don't really matter as long as you have fun you're winning it's 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 fucked up man to enjoy yeah I can, I can do that on a on a game that costs me nothing to be mm-hmm. to be frank with you yeah no it's it's pretty bad i'm actually kind of curious to get zell's thoughts on what he thinks all of this is about i don't think zell's quite drunk in the kool-aid as deep as some but he's certainly you know in there so i'm kind of curious what he'll think so we'll, we'll bring it up next week and kind of find out what his thoughts are on this okay so moving along here to the other space rpg other. game we have eve online so if any of you weren't familiar in almost any country you play eve online you are kind of in the same shard you're in the same shared world as everyone else however china is a little bit different because of chinese laws and how they don't really let them interact with other groups outside of china they've always had their own you know special eve online server called serenity and that they had to play on serenity if they wanted to play the game so CCP licenses out the rights to the game to a Chinese company, and then they publish the game and they, they run it. Um, and I'm, I'm going to butcher this, this pronunciation here, but the company I believe they were tied to was um, Tian City, which was the company that was publishing EVE Online up until recently. So CCP has come out and said, hey, we are going to 
you know, sever our ties with the company. Both groups agree that, you know, this is for the best. And they released probably one of the cheekiest statements I've heard from CCP in a while, which is, we offer our sincerest thanks to TN City for their professionalism when responding to concerns from Serenity's players, especially given the choice not to deploy any of the new expansions since 2016. Ooh. Yeah. So all of the stuff that's come out in the last, like, two years for EVE, the players in China have not gotten access to that, apparently because of the choices of the publisher for some reason. But it seems CCP is not too happy about that. And I'm, it, and since this was included in their statement, I'm almost wondering if that's kind of the reason where they said, you know what, guys, I think we're done. Uh, we're going to take our business elsewhere with this one. No, I, I think that is exactly accurate. <laughs> uh, so Serenity is, I mean, that's actually been a, an interesting, it's actually been an interesting thing, like the Chinese sort of game game market, because they, they're basically firewalled off. And that's why you see different content or content made specifically for uh, like on Overwatch. That's probably one of the ones we've talked about in the past. And on e and in EVE, they would have um, like different ship skins and things like that. They were only available at the Chinese server. And, and a lot of them were like really, really baller. I mean, they were like really over the top cool. Um, and in fact, it, you know, a lot of the EVE players are like, why the heck, what can't we get that, you know? Uh, but it, it's, uh, I do know in EVE when I played it a long time ago that it was not uncommon for you to occasionally find like groups of Chinese players that would bypass the firewalls um, by basically VPNing, you know, out to, to, you know, like Western servers and stuff like that. And, and like their whole economy, like the, the economy of, of a game like Eve is literally a lot. That's you, you could argue that is the driver of the game is the actual in-game economy. Like not the, you know, not what you pay with your own real dollars necessarily. There's part of it, but the actual like play, the play economy of the game is actually what drives the game. And uh, theirs was basically a non-factor because, you know, like a, a random, you know, super common ship part would be, you know, gazillions of isk, you know, that, that it would be just outlandishly expensive due to basic inflation. Uh, but they've had a very isolated game market for a long time. And it's, it's probably very easy for, you know, sort of handlers or like second, you know, like third party kind of developers in China, China that are basically not, not, you know, maybe franchising it or representing or being a surrogate for a Western game company. It's probably very, very easy for them to just kind of do what they want, basically. Uh, you know, within some limits. So I, it doesn't surprise me that uh, something like this has happened. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. And I, I can see why CCP is like, hey, we're putting the effort into making these expansions. We want our players of our game to actually be able to experience them. And you cutting that off for whatever reason is, is not cool. So how they've responded to this is they're severing ties. And this effectively means that the game is being shut down. Um, there is kind of a period where they're going to be, you know, they cut off like you can't buy Orum anymore or Iska or Plex, sorry. You can't buy Plex anymore. And they're kind of cutting off the monetization as they ramp down to being shut off. However, they have gotten a new publisher who's going to be picking up the game sometime in October. I think there's going to be a slight delay between this version being shut down and the new version being deployed. But players who are paid up through a certain point will kind of get some special commemorative items kind of say, hey, you know, this is kind of rough, but you know, we're going to give you a, a special skin, that sort of thing. And then, you know, we'll, we'll pick you back up when we go to the new publisher. So the new publisher is actually going to be, let me pull it up here. Um, yes, NetEase. NetEase so Net, this is kind of seems like a no-brainer. NetEase is actually the Chinese publisher that CCP is currently working on for Project Galaxy, which is their Apple iOS augmented reality game, which is kind of interesting. You've actually looked into that one a little bit more than I have, Libby. What's going on with that uh, Galaxy game? Um, there's no new news since they, um, I mean, they, I feel like they did kind of like a soft announcement of it because it really came from the Apple side of them launching the AR for the, the AR kit for the next upgrade that I think comes in November for iOS. Um, but as far as CCP side, they did put out an announcement, but they really just said, expect it in 2019, it's going to be worldwide and it's going to be, you know, it's going to come out on iOS first, but it's eventually going to get to the other. It's kind of like switch with the other game that they announced. 
Yeah, I, I can imagine that they have a good working relationship with NetEase that they're going to be, you know, that, that was pretty much an easy crossover. And I think that, you know, if you look at a lot of companies, they are really targeting Chinese markets right now because it's it's doing very, very well. So to see them moving over to Chinese markets is not a big surprise. I'm sure they can dive really heavily into a lot of the mobile titles there and that sort of thing. So it should be good to see what they come up with. And it's also good for the Chinese players of EVE who have yep. been obviously struggling struggling with a lot of the problems that has come with the previous publisher's inability to kind of properly support the game. Well, I seriously um, give props to CCP for actually sitting down. They've been really, um, what is the word, interacting with the CC, uh, <laughs> I'm all tongue-tied, with the um, EVE players in China. So they actually had to sit down with a group of them, um, which is nice. It's really making sure that they get the player base's opinion and experience too. Yeah, now that should be really good, and hopefully those players can, you know, now enjoy a lot of the recent stuff that they've come out with, like, come out with for Eve Online, which should be really good. So, looks like uh, NetEase is is going to kind of be the the buddy for CCP over in China, and uh, hopefully that support will do well for the players. So another interesting thing that popped up for you know mobile games is Fortnite. So, as you know, we've kind of been talking about Fortnite, and Fortnite's pretty much being ported to every platform you can imagine. And that, of course, comes with a mobile version of the game. So Fortnite is coming to you know your Apple phone and your Android phone. So something that really interesting has happened is that normally all apps that are sold on Android go through the Google Play Store. So if you want to download an app, you have to go to the Google Play Store, you have to find it in the store, you pay for it or download it, whatever. And that's how you play. And the phone is actually by default set up to say, do not accept downloads of apps from anything outside the store. And this was primarily to protect people from clicking on the wrong link or something like that and downloading an app onto their phone unknowingly and, you know, getting something that was a malware or something that was going to be dangerous for the device. You can bypass that though. You can actually go into the settings and I've actually done it before. I've purchased like through Humble Bundle, like a package of indie mobile games and you don't get those to the google play store you actually have to download a like a zip file almost and you have to turn that setting off so you can install the games and you know you can turn, turn it back on when you're done but you have to have it off for the process of installing it so it's not hard it worked pretty well but what fortnite is doing is they are saying we are not going to be offering fortnite through the google play store if you want the game you have to get it directly from us and in doing so, you'll have to, again, go in and disable the security setting to you know, install the game, but you can you know, re-enable it when you're done. And their primary reason behind this is that any app that is sold through the Google Play Store, which is basically all of them, Google gets 30% of the purchase as well as any transactions that happen through the game. So if Fortnite was through the Google Play Store, Google would basically get 30% of all of the money you spend on Fortnite, which um, is a lot of money. I think in the first three weeks of the game being released on iOS, it made like $15 million in three weeks. So you could probably expect something similar on the Android release of it. And Epic Games is like, we don't want to share um, and we are going to, you know, do it on our own. And if you want the game, you're going to have to take a, a small risk, I guess, to gain access to it. But we don't want to have to put it through the store because we don't agree with that practice. Do you guys think this is going to deter uh, players from downloading the game if they have to kind of go a few extra steps to, to get it on their phone? Only the non-tech savvy people. That's really only people I would be like, they might be like, I'm playing it here. It doesn't matter. But, you know, the younger generation will go out of their way to download the funkiest app. So... Yeah, I, I don't. I, I think it will slow down people a little bit, but I, I don't think it's going to really hurt their numbers, uh, because the reality. I mean, I think Lily's right. I mean, it's, uh, you, you know, it doesn't take much to figure out how to download basically non, Google slash I like iOS or Apple sponsored apps if you want to, um, but, you know, you got to do a couple extra steps. I mean. If it was anybody but a company the size of Epic, I would probably be a little skeptical of it, like like a lot skeptical. But something like them, yeah, I, I, it's probably okay. You know, you, you know what I mean. I, I don't think it'd be that big of a deal. Nah, I don't think it'd be a big deal either. I mean, it, as long as Epic is like 
there's going to be something on their website that's like, to get this game, you need to disable this thing. Then you, you, people are going to do it. I mean, it, it's not going uh, it, to, it's, it's not going to be that big a deal. Um, I think the, the problem for them, problem, if you will, will be um, getting Android users to, uh, uh, to actually go to the Epic website to get the game instead of just sitting and, and, and trying to look on the Play Store. Um, for the game for the next six months. I think say. they'll make it pretty easy to get it. I mean, they're going to, obviously it's a huge market. It'll probably be, you just go to this website, it'll auto detect, hey, you're on mobile, and just go to, hey, download here, tweak this setting, and you're good to go. I don't think it's going to be an issue. Hey, Pokey, I think you should do it. Oh, and, and, and how, not to, how not to blow up your phone while downloading Fortnite? It's doable. How not to download yeah, they got the good wrong apps thing. Now for, for doing recordings on phones, but you know, I, I think you will probably deter a few people with this, but Epic is probably looking at it as if we go through Google, we are guaranteed to lose 30% of our money by going through Google. Chances are we're not going to lose 30% of potential customers by making this choice. So overall, it's going to be a net gain for us. And I think that because they know the game is so popular, people will go out of their way to get it. Like Jay said, if it was somebody else, if it was someone smaller or a game that was less popular, Maybe a lot sketchier. People probably wouldn't be as is on board for it. But for Epic, they're like, if you want the game, we know you're going to get it because everyone's playing this game right now. So we, you know, we'll take that risk. And I think it'll be really interesting to see how well it does and if they do see, you know, decreased numbers because of this. But I'm almost certain it's not going to be more than what they would have lost if they had gone through and had to, you know, pay the the royalties to Google for using the store. I can't wait to see the surge in like. Reddit post you'll see of people making DIY <laughs> phone coolers or phone fans uh, so that they can play Fortnite for you oh, know man. six hours straight a, on their like, on their like cell phone. I, I I play games on my phone, but they're usually like <laughs> like lower tier. You don't need like crazy graphics, but like on my brother's like his Samsung phone when he had like the VR thing going on it, that sucker got hot. Mm -hmm. Like it was it was bad. And like some of these games, oh, I, I can only imagine looking at the graphics. I'm like, sure it runs, but your phone is like burning in the palm of your hand. Yeah. The uh, Pokemon go was doing that too. Was, was making phones uh, heat up a lot from, from I believe that I because like when I'm running my GPS on my phone, like, you know, which is all the time when you're playing Pokemon go, the phone does work mm -hmm. pretty hard and you see a noticeable battery battery drain, which of course comes with the heat. So, you know, that on top of all the 3d graphics and the stuff it's doing with like the, augmented reality i can see that actually heating up pretty badly for, for pokemon go okay so moving along i wanted to talk again and briefly about monster hunter world like we usually do uh i unfortunately did not have a chance to actually try the behemoth update but that did drop on thursday uh just some scheduling issues we couldn't make it work but i'm going to be probably approaching in the next couple days but the behemoth update is out people really like it it looks fantastic they also released some information regarding the armor that you get by fighting and defeating Behemoth, and it is insane. The stats on it are really, really good, like almost kind of game-breakingly good. Like this is probably the best armor set in the game right now, just for raw damage, um, and it looks really cool because it's based off of the Dragoon armor from Final Fantasy XIV. So very, very, very solid. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, I've kind of been coordinating with the people I play the game with to figure out our roles and kind of build uh, setups so we can kind of take advantage of the unique battle mechanics that we talked about for the Behemoth fight. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, Capcom has also come out and talked about the next three events that they're going to be doing. So they are bringing a Behemoth Extreme mode, and this is going to be an even harder version of the Behemoth fight, which I'm looking forward to because it looks really fun. And if you can complete that, you'll get the layer armor set for the Dragoon armor. So Normally when you equip armor, it looks like what it is, and you're typically not running a full set, so things look very mismatched. Layer armor is kind of like a way to apply the appearance of a certain type of armor over what you're wearing, so you can kind of coordinate and look a little less, you know, crazy while you're, you're doing your thing. So that's really cool. They also have announced the Arc-Tempered Teostra and Arc-Tempered Kushala de Aura, so those are two more of the Elder Dragons in the game. The Arc-Tempered fights are a lot of fun. They do a good job at kind of mixing up the behavior of the monster where the stats of the monster aren't necessarily that much higher, but the way that it fights, it's more aggressive. It's got, you know, some unique movements, that sort of thing. It does really make it feel like a brand new fight, not just like a, a stat bump to make the difficulty harder. So 
looking forward to both of those. I really enjoyed the Valhazak and the Kirin one that they did already. Um, and as before, if you can defeat these, you can get the Gamma armor set for their respective sets of armor, which is kind of some unique ways you can mix up your armor and that sort of thing. So, you know, once again, Capcom's done a really great job. They have, you know, done very good job at pacing when stuff is coming out to kind of keep you engaged. I mean, this game came out in February. I'm still playing it six months later um, on a very regular basis. So very solid. Um, I'm hoping that we can get maybe a, a full expansion DLC maybe sometime early next year, but they haven't announced anything like that. So should be good. I will hopefully get to Behemoth this week and kind of give my thoughts on it next week when we do the show again. All right. So one thing I wanted to talk about are some of the videos we've been producing for Project Nova. So uh, team and I have been really following and tracking a lot of the information released by the developers over the last few years and kind of compiling it all together on our website as kind of a giant archive of, you know, quotes and that sort of thing to kind of get a, a broad spectrum of what's going on with the game, because while they haven't done a lot of what Wait, by, by giant archive, do you mean like the six seconds that it <laughs> that showed That was a different game, Wick, Jay. Like we don't talk about, ago. you know, Project Legion. That was that was a thing we don't do. <laughs> yeah, okay. um, but yeah, yeah there has been whatever. kind of this like very slow trickle because it's been ongoing for quite a while. Um, and it's difficult to really for anyone to find all of it at once because it's been like on the dust forums, which are gone now the discord various interviews it's just there's, there's no way you could track it all down unless you're you know sick and twisted like i am so we had it all archived on our website but you know people don't like to read giant walls of text which i understand so we've started kind of a youtube series where we're putting out some videos that are going over all that information in a more kind of organized straightforward manner so it's going to give you everything you need to know to kind of get caught up to where things currently are and not force you to read basically like 12 pages of just quotes, which is kind of boring. So uh, those are coming out last week on Tuesday. We released the first two episodes. So the first one was kind of the scope and the vision of the game. And the second was the risk and reward mechanics. So I'm actually I'm taking a break from editing episode three to do this podcast. But episode three is probably going to be coming out early um, this week, probably Monday or Tuesday. And it's going to go over the different drop suits and classes in the game. So um, that is coming. I want to push them out approximately on a weekly basis, depending on, you know, length and that sort of thing. These do take a long time to edit, but, you know, expect about a video every week or so. So it should be good. I'm really enjoying it. We're getting a lot of good feedback from it. So looking forward to kind of continuing with this until we've exhausted everything we have so far. And hopefully this will lead up into whenever they announce something, because the game is supposed to be coming out sometime this year, um, hopefully. But uh, we'll get you posted and up to date up until that point. Okay, so this is the part where uh, Jay, Livy, and I talk about Destiny for a while um, because we can never do it quickly, which is fine. Um, but Jay, have you been doing the Solstice of Heroes event that's been going on the last week or so? <laughs> well, yes, Pokey, I have. <laughs> so uh, I, I am a, I am now a member of the uh, the 400 Club, Neil Before Zod, uh, in my resplendent purple purple armor of varying shades with <laughs> chromatic goodies that may or may not have been bought with real money. Uh, but yes, I am, and I'm actually thoroughly enjoying it. And in fact, in fact, shortly before the show, which is one of the reasons the show's late tonight, I was celebrating my win with a, uh, a victory lap through the nightfall in my newly resplendent purple 400 armor, Neil Before Zod. And, uh, you know, I, because I had just actually qualified for the, uh, for the T-shirt. Like, so there's Solstice of Heroes. And one of the things you can get after you get so many of the triumphs over the course of the, of this first year, you're, you're accruing points all year long. You don't know, you didn't know that until this event started. Uh, but, uh, I qualified for a customized destiny shirt. So basically if you go to the Bungie store, you can find the, uh, Solstice of Heroes destiny year one commemorative t-shirt for a mere $777,000. However, if you have a discount code, which you can get by accruing enough points in said, in said event, it's like 24 bucks. Uh, and it, uh, it's actually customized with your gamer tag on it. Uh, and like a little small shield, like kind of an iron Lord shield on the, on the, on one of the sleeves. And I will, I will definitely be rocking that here shortly as soon as UPS delivers it. So, uh, long story short, they're basically capping off the, uh, season one and they're doing it very well. They've had a really cool event. Uh, you get these 
this kind of unique set of armor that's it's basically starts you out with uh, what you had in the, in the initial kind of uh, mission or two of Destiny that you like this burned and like ragged sort of revenant armor that, that you had left after all your power was taken away. Uh, and you kind of build it back up to this, uh, you know, fairly elaborate set of armor. Uh, and the grind is, is it's, it is a grind, but it's definitely timed so that you can get like all three of your care. If you're one of those people that cycles the three different characters, like the hunter or Titan and warlock, you know, you know, a lot of people tend to do that for leveling purposes, but it's definitely time where you can, you can fairly, fairly well do that in a month. Pretty easy. Uh, if you're a consistent player, there's definitely some tricks to it, you know, in terms of, uh, how to make it, how to, you know, efficiently go through it. But a lot of it's kind of, you know, pretty easy stuff, you know, so many kills of this type, you know, use this weapon, uh, use arc, use void, use solar, you know, it's, it's, it's basically a mix of all different activities and things that you can do in the game is basically what it comes out to. Uh, there's some PVP stuff, some PVE. Um, it's a lot of fun. It, it really is a lot of fun. And, uh, it's a good way to cap the season, but they've got a lot of the sandbox changes basically going in or like starting to um, increment their way in in preparation for Forsaken. So it is a it is a cool year end event and uh, everything, everything that I think Bungie's doing, it's it's kind of harkens back to about four or five months ago when they had that big uh, kind of community summit where they brought people out to Bungie and and talk to a lot of different folks, all the way from regular players up to kind of high-end content creators. And there's a lot of NDA behind-the-scenes type stuff. And uh, the long story short, the message everybody came out of there with, you know, was, hey, you know, the patch coming in May is not going to, it's not going to be the thing. Uh, and they were like, please don't get your hopes up that May is going to solve all of these problems. However, if you wait till September, th things may look different. And, uh, and, and obviously Forsaken is what everybody was talking about. They, you know, all the NDAs have, NDAs have since listed and, and a lot of the, a lot of folks are, you know, talking about it. It's on, it's on a lot of different videos. Game Informer did a basically a month long series on it. And, uh, I think, uh, you know, the, the people that have been playing this version of destiny or the version we're going to get probably in September, you know, at like guardian con and, uh, you know, E3 and some other things, I, I have heard nothing negative about it yet. Now, there's still some questions about how certain things are going to work, but I, I, I would say 90 plus percent of the reviews coming back, you know, Bungie absolutely understands where they, what they needed to do to course correct. And they feel, and a lot of people that have played feel that they, that, that Forsaken will be the appropriate course correction to get it back to where it needs to be. Yeah, I've been very impressed with the event. I mean, for someone who stepped away and I came back and gave it, you know, an honest shot, it, it's a really good event to kind of showcase, hey, here is the philosophy we're trying to have behind giving people content. And in the process, if you are returning and kind of giving us a second chance, it's going to kind of get you caught up to where you need to be in terms of light level. Because, I mean, you can come in and actually do this stuff at a fairly like middle ground in terms of light level. I wasn't struggling because you're, you're kind of given like a, like a lower, a lower, like 200, I think armor to start with, and you kind of level it up throughout the event. And it, it's nice because if you were behind like me, you get to kind of bump ahead fairly quickly and get there. And I think that, like you said, they're, they're trying to kind of show like, Hey, we're, we're adding some stuff to the sandbox. We're prepping you. We're, we're getting everything ready to go. Um, and kind of bringing you back to look at all the different things that they've kind of been working on. And overall, I've, I've been very impressed with it. I think that it's a very good event. I think it's got a lot to offer. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know if I'll be pre-ordering Forsaken. I still might kind of give it a good wait to see what it looks like. But, you know, I, I will say that, that Bungie's done a good job of kind of bringing back my faith a little bit in what they're working on. Yeah, no, I I was... It's one of those where, you know, I have a lot of, you know, a lot of time and energy sunk into Destiny writ large from D1 and D2. And and it, that's one of those kind of positions you're in as a gamer, you know, as a player where you, you want the product to be good. You want the game to be good because of your investment of time. And I think, you know, you know we've said this many times on the show, like, <clears throat> I can't think of any game developer, any serious game developer when they show up to work that they that they don't want their game to be good. You know, 
<clears throat> and I think this is a good example of there's probably a lot of people at Bungie that has, that is actually one thing. Like you don't have to worry about you don't have to worry about people at Bungie. Hey, do they even play their own game? They absolutely do, and there's there's generally no no debate about that. Uh, so they want that game to be good too. They are fans of their own game, uh, like in a healthy way. You know, they they want the game to be good. So I think, I, you know, I think they've got me pushed clearly on the edge that that this that this is probably going to be a solid update. Now, obviously, there's not going to be earth shaking changes in some of the mechanics, but, they, but from what I've seen, it's going to be a mark. It's going to be a different feel in terms of like the, kind of the play style choices that you can make. The enemy, the, you know, the, the the enemies that you will contend with, and, and particularly in the new areas, are definitely different. And I, it looks like they're definitely trying to change, you know, sort of the the wow factor of the game a little bit, like the power factor of the game, which really was that was ultimately one of the biggest beefs with with Destiny Two was you really didn't feel nearly as, you know, space magic-y, super power-y as you did in D1, frankly. And it was very vanilla. You know, it was very, very homogenized. You know, it was basically some strategic design choices that were made that... So, so for example, um, my son, he he's a massive fan of all the, the you know, the Destiny story. And you know, nine-year-old, he, he knows probably as much about Destiny lore as, like, the vast majority of the, of the audience, to be frank with you. Uh, he's a big fan of, like, My Name is Bife and Mylon Games and all those guys. So he borrowed my Destiny 1 disc, loaded it up, and he's running through the all every campaign in Destiny 1 because he wants to know all about that before Forsaken comes out because he's, he's just seen him in videos. And um, it's... I was kind of trying to explain to him that it was different than Destiny 2 because Destiny 2 is definitely easier to grasp. Let's be realistic. Um, the, how you level your characters, how you can customize your characters is dramatically easier in Destiny, Destiny 2. And remember in D1, you actually had to level your weapons, even your legendary, your legendaries. And, you, and it was a more, more complex process to infuse them and, and make them higher light level and all that other kind of stuff. And, and he, you know, my nine-year-old's like, Hey, that's that's cooler because you have to work with this weapon, or you have to you have to play with. You know, he's got bad juju. You know, it's this classic Destiny rifle, uh, exotic rifle. And he's like, this means you I have to play with it a lot to make it really good, right? Yes. He's like, I like that, and I was like, so do I. <laughs> so there's some things that I don't think they're going to quite go back to that level yet, but you see the direction that they're going, which is basically uh, how do we get to a place where Destiny 2 should be, not where, you know, how did we fix a game that didn't need fixing? That's really, the, that, that is the tagline of Destiny 2. They put a lot of time and energy in fixing a game that didn't need to be fixed uh, in some ways, and they should have progressed it. So here, I think they're coming back to where they need to be with Forsaken. I think the Solstice of Heroes, great event. Uh, it, it, is, it is a lot of fun, and I tell you what, the tower is full. Every every time you try to join, you know, try to do LFG and you try to join for like a, you know, like a raid or an EP or something like escalation protocol. Uh, a lot of times you have to do it for more, but because at least this weekend the tower was full, so pretty much every time you try to join in, you couldn't join on a guy. He had to go to orbit so you could join. That's usually a really good indicator that there's a lot of people playing. Uh, no problem. There was at pretty much every planet I went to, there was max capacity people. Um, that probably tells you a lot about where the player base is in terms of people coming back, playing the event, and probably ramping up for uh, for Forsaken. Yeah, I like this format a lot more because it gives you that kind of sense, like you're saying with uh, with your son playing the first game. I like when I feel like I've got a specific goal I'm working towards, and I've got these kind of different threads of of questing I can do and and this event has kind of been the same way where it's like hey here's this armor you do this then you do this and you do this that's the kind of quest that I'm used to in games like this like I'm, I, I do like you know Final yeah. Fantasy MMO game it's like that you know if I want to level up my legendary you know relic weapon to this I've got to go through all these steps and yeah it's a grind but it's it's having you do various different things you know well you build yeah. the progress yeah, you're feeling pro so, and that's and that was really one of the things that really put a, a stake in the heart of D two early on was 
after 30 days, you blew through all the content and, you know, they were, you know, they were making it rain with exotics and all this other jazz and you didn't have this leveling grind. You didn't have random rolls. I'm not a huge fan of random rolls for weapons. Like you get the same, the same hand cannon 10 times and it'll have different rolls for perks and stuff. Whereas in D2, it's there, you know, you get what you get. Um, there's pros and cons to both. I'm not, I'm not sold entirely on random rolls, but I really like the leveling system for the weapons. Uh, because that was a big thing in Destiny 1. Every time you logged in, you could see some some circle bar, you know, like a radial bar or something getting greener and greener. You could you could you were unlocking something, even if it was a minor perk or something, that you always felt that something was making progress, whether it was your character or your gear or your weapons or something. And this definitely, this event is absolutely bringing that feeling back, along with the addition of bounties, which was a nice add. So it, this is sort of a Gen 1 bounties. They're, they're, they said it's going to change noticeably in Forsaken. It's going to be much more meaningful, get different gear and stuff like that from different vendors with the bounties. But but bringing some bounties back, even this early form, and then the way that, you know, like I said, the way the event is structured, everything you do is helpful. Like you, you don't you don't get to a spot where something's not helpful. And that's that's what that's what'll make make people play. Frankly, that's that's makes them play any game, not just Destiny. But when you feel that you're making progress, you get that little dopamine hit because you got the perk, or you know your your bar turned green and it's no longer, you know, like eighty percent. It's now max and it says completed on it. You get that little dopamine hit and you want to keep doing it again. Uh, it's you know works pretty well. Yeah, I like a lot of the stuff they, that when I came back and kind of saw the things they had been adding that I'd heard about but not really experienced and how they actually worked, like uh, the like the Crucible Seasons, right? Where you'd go in and it was like, here's a series of ornaments for your gear that you can that are unique to that season. So as you level up through the Crucible, you're going to get those ornaments as kind of a unique reward. That's awesome. I love that. I love coming in and going, okay, if I want this thing, I've got to work on doing this particular activity to get to that point. And it's something that's going to be, you know, interesting, unique, and it's kind of a, a deterministic path to get there. Whereas before it was, I guess I'll grind light level. And it was kind of this weird, like, you'd hope for that one RNG drop, and then you'd go to turn in your powerful engram so you could get kind of that bump up in, in power level to kind of get past these hurdles. And it just, it was kind of like, what's the point of all this? Whereas when you've kind of got these individual tasks you're trying to complete and you, you know... I'm going to make progress if I do this. It's not a roll of the dice. It's not anything dumb like that. It's I got to do these tasks to get there and I can see that progress. That's way more gratifying. And they've done a really good job at having different, you know, avenues of, of getting different things. But if it's a, you know, this event, for example, trying to get this armor leveled up, or it's like the, um, the, uh, what's the, it's not the black spindle, but it's kind of the D2 version of it. That, that little mini quest. Yeah. It's the, it's called the spur of the worm, but oh, it's okay. really black okay. hammer. Which is the original, not black. And in fact, it's it's got the exact same perks uh, and intrinsic power that made it so powerful in D one. They had to nerf it and turn gotcha. it into black spindle. This gotcha. It's black hammer, and it's good, like real yeah. good. And, and that sort of stuff where I can I can work towards a goal. And and even the event stuff like Iron Banner, I like that they were. I mean, some of the the, the design changes they made, I was kind of in about. But the reward system where you go in. And it's, you know, it's not like a new set of gear. It's, hey, you've probably already got this gear, but there's new unique, you know, uh, ornaments you can put in the gear to kind of get this season's look and you can kind of mix and master up. That's that's great. I really, really like that. That's the kind of thing that makes me go, oh, I want to log into do Iron Banner to get this season's set of rewards, not, oh, I, I guess it's running. That's kind of cool. You know, it, it's that sense of progress that really works. And you know, if they are continuing with this, and they certainly seem like they've, they've kind of figured out this is what people actually like, um, it's, it's going to work really well for them. And I think that Forsaken will actually do much better because of it. Yeah. Hey, now, Livy, you've been playing too, right? Oh, you did You did not sound, that's yes, not your happy voice. Playing. She talked me into it. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. That's the, it is I my happy my voice. No, I'm, I'm, for two hours <laughs> voice. I'm excited about it. I think... <laughs> No, seriously, like, I, oh, I think it's oh. probably just from the point of view of someone oh, playing bad. Hunter. And I'm like, I'm not I'm so sorry, so fabulous, you know, first person shooter. But like, there are only two supers we can kill oh, no, with. No, no, no. And on, those no. two Art really Strider suck. And, uh, you know, 
We don't we don't have we don't have we don't have damage dealing as we go into our super so we don't just like pull out our titan smash and obliterate the entire map (laughs) class in the game if you if you if you i don't know i didn't feel okay i felt like i pulled out my stick and got gunned down or i pulled out my stick and got smashed you're talking to (laughs) one of the least gun gamey people in the room but if you push the circle button it's like magic you get your darth maul on you start smashing (laughs) people it's it's rough now, 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 truth and, now, I will say this, though. Since the last time you guys did, um, one of the things that, that is noticeably different, like when you're in a roaming super, so, think, you know, like Stormcaller, Arcstrider, uh, even Dawnblade, stuff like that, you are, you cannot tank nearly as much as you used to could. So, you know, I mean, classic example, you drop Stormcaller, and you could pretty much, like, smash through, like, half a clip of somebody shooting at you, and you could usually kill them. So that's changed. You know that that's definitely not the same. Uh, even if you've got like masterwork armor gear and stuff like that, it, you are not much more tanky uh, unless it's the elemental class that you are. So if you're arc strider and somebody's shooting arc at you, you you can tank a lot, like a lot, lot. If you but if they're shooting anything else, you're you're pretty much close to where you normally are pre super. Okay, so. That is probably a noticeable. I guarantee that's a noticeable change that both you guys from your playing this week. Uh, yeah, I think the most the most annoying thing is you know being arc the titans arc the stormcallers arc. So that's why the shadow actually worked because you didn't feel like you were. Yeah, doing no, no, that. no that's know. good. But how, well, how are you finding the, the event? Though, the, like the overall feel. No, the event event's good. I actually like it. It's a nice change for it. I have no complaints on the event itself just the one little task on the one piece of armor that I had to endure. Yeah. For so now the, one of the, one of the couple hil- helpful that's all. hints out there for everybody in the, that's trying to do the solstice uh, event. So you only need the entire set of armor on if you're trying to get orbs, which you only need to get when you're going from the green set to the blue set. Okay. So when you get past that uh, and you have to turn all of them in Correct. at the same time from green to blue uh, or up to purple, so, again, an easy tip there is uh, figure out what your, your low-hanging fruit on some of your armor is that you can swap out for, uh, you know, swap out for one of your exotics or something like that that will help you out, that will kind of give you a little bit of boost as you're going. And that, that helps you a lot. Um, and then, and, and really, again, Bungie was pretty smart. They didn't tell you this, but, like, so when you're collecting those energy orbs, they actually provide you a stacking damage bonus of that of that elemental type. So if, if you're picking up solar orbs, you'll notice that you start to get on a roll because you're picking up more and more orbs and you suddenly seem to be doing better. That's because there's a hidden stack and da- stacking damage buff with every orb you pick up. And there's like a cooldown of so many seconds on it. So as long as you're getting kills uh, and you're collecting those orbs, you're going to keep rolling this damage buff. And it's, it's pretty good. It's, it's actually noticeable. But the Redux missions are definitely geared towards having, if you have a full fire team or at least one partner, they go way, 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 way faster, including the orb collection. Do you know if they are going to be maintaining that orb mechanic into Forsaken? Is that like a new thing they're going to be doing and they're just kind of trying it out? I, I you know they haven't really discussed that too much, but I think, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they're looking at this as a, you know, as a mechanic or a mechanism they may want to use in, in and other events because it does work pretty good. Uh, it's it, my only beef with it is I wish they would make the arc orbs more. Oh my blue. god! Yes. They look different and than like regular orbs. Yes. Oh my god! Yes. Yeah, because it's a, it's a light orb. You ever get? How many times it, like, went was, over another orb? Because I was, like, why I was kind of like, what are up? these? I was using an arc weapon at the time. I was like, oh, they're dropping. I'm like, how can you tell? Because it's like either pure white or like slight baby blue for the arc orbs. It's it's a pain. Yeah, if if it was a little bit more blue, like a like a tinge bluer, it'd be it'd be a little cooler, you know. But um, but I the mechanic itself works pretty well, and and here's the cool thing: this is the first time that I think anywhere in Destiny one or two, you get an armor set bonus, yeah. right? You know, think think like Diablo. You wear all the same, you know, like you know the red flaming death devil armor set, and you get like all the pieces, and you get a bonus of, of some flavor or kind. That is one thing that I desperately wish that they would add to Destiny is 
armor set bonuses. You know, they kind of play, they're not really sure what they want to do with masterwork stuff because that's really hard. How do you do masterwork bonuses on armor? They've got the weapon thing kind of figured out, but not so much with the armor. Because really all it does is give you a little bit more resistance, you know, resilience during during your super. Uh, what I want is something that's that's got some more beef to it in terms of the perks. Again, if you go back to purple armor, like legendary armor in Destiny 1, it came with a variety of perks, like a variety of perks that had an in-game, in-game effect. Uh, so that's, that's definitely something I hope that they start incrementing back in. But the orb mechanic works pretty well. Uh, I think you could probably do it in a lot of different events for different reasons, you know, for different different mechanics. But I like it. I actually think it's pretty cool. No, absolutely. I mean, like I'll reference like Monster Hunter World, which has probably some of the best armor mechanics that I've seen in a game where it's like, you know, you get set bonuses, you get different perks on the weapon, you can kind of combine them and, and you're encouraged to really kind of find that perfect mix of things for, you know, what you want to do with the build. And, you know, I'm boosting it for this type of weapon or I'm trying to use this kind of, you know, subclass. I would love to see that in Destiny 2. I think that'd be fantastic because right now it's pretty much like there's some selection in terms of like, you know, what the base like mobility, recovery, uh, resilience stat is. But after that, you pretty much just pick for whatever looks cool. There's not much of a reason to, to use yeah, one piece of armor over the other aside from like that one minor stat difference. Yeah, D1 you used to get like three, like three or four different per- selectable perks, even on the purple gear. Was, like I said, um, I, watch what happens in D3. It's going to be World of Warcraft level grind. It'll, it'll be just ripping your face off with a belt sander kind of hard, probably, because they'll overcorrect in the opposite direction. For oh, that. yeah, absolutely. I'm calling it now. Like, Forsaken will probably be really solid, and then they'll be like, great, we've got it. And they're going to go completely off in a different direction for the third game, and we'll spend two years fixing it, which is, you know. So a couple, a couple quick things to think about. Like, again, you got the rest of the month basically to knock out Solstice Heroes. I, I really recommend everybody have a go at it. If you haven't played Destiny in a while, have a go at it and, and try to get the armor set for like one, just one tune, one character, uh, and just kind of have a, have a good time with it. Uh, and it also makes it a lot easier to do higher end things like the Whisper of the Worm uh, Lost Sector. It makes it easier to do Escalation Protocol, things like that. Bear in mind, that while the armor is very cool, it like has a nice visual look to it. It's got a lot of cool options in terms of ornaments that come on it. You know, either chromatic ornaments or like the you know the kind of how how you you know once you make it legendary, you can select between what style do you want the the blue, green, or the the purple like look of the or- of the that you wanted. Um, it will be from a power level obsolete in about four days after Forsaken drops because. You're, if you're already at level 400, you know, power level 400, uh, when Forsaken drops, you'll go through about one set of milestones, like one set of weeklies, weeklies where you get powerful engrams and all this other stuff, and and you're already gonna you're already gonna be bounding a little bit past that. So, uh, two two things to remember. Uh, well, a couple things, you know, about Forsaken. The max power level is 600 light level, 600. So the max power level outside is really 385 in Destiny 2, and only with the Solstice Armor or the uh, the Prestige Raid Weapon Drops can you get 400 level gear. Now, it doesn't drop any higher, so like even if you had like the 400 level weapons and 400 level uh, armor, your milestones won't drop higher. Like everything's hard capped at 385 except for Raid Weapons and the Solstice Armor. So... Again, that stuff is going to be overtaken pretty quickly once Forsaken hits. Power level 600. And you know how you got weekly resets right now where they reset all your milestones and all your other all that other stuff? It's going to be resetting every four days now. Okay? So the, the max level that you can jump is going to be a lot higher than it normally would be in terms of um, kind of how they normally up the cap. They You know, they would go from like, you know, 300 used to be the hard cap, and then then it was up to, you know, like 350, and then now 385. Well, this is a big jump. It's doubling the cap, but they're basically almost doubling the the amount of milestones that you get, the weekly milestones to get powerful gear. So that that will keep you coming back more because, again, it goes back to that, how do I get that little hit of dopamine every time I'm making progress? Uh, So 
while the grind may sound daunting, I, and I guarantee you the in-game content will not be reachable for most players, for the vast majority of players, in the first probably month, uh, you know, when you hit Forsaken. I guarantee you that. Uh, but the grind will be there to get you there. Uh, one of the other things that was noted in one of the last kind of big uh, uh, interviews that Bungie did before, you know, before they went dark as they're going into the final push for the turn-in, they made it very clear at the end game area, uh, they went to great pains to, to have a lot of exploration type things or things to do for solo players. Uh, because they acknowledged that, you know, while they want everybody to raid, and that's really where the story is going to, to cap is in the raid, kind of like in D1, how the story would capstone in the raids, like the lower parts of the story would capstone there. That's kind of what they're going to do in Forsaken. They made it very clear they wanted... Um, the solo players or those that had smaller than, you know, like, you know, only two or three people that they played with, they wanted them to have things to do too in kind of the, uh, the dreaming city, which is kind of the in game area, kind of the Leviathan type area or, you know, so to that end, if you're a solo player, or a group player, there's going to be things to do all the way up to end game. Uh, end game is going to be a much, much, much deeper grind and all the stuff in the solstice uh, month really is to set the conditions for you to get back into forsaken. Does end at the lesson. No, I think no. That's good. That's good. I think it's going to be really good. Oh, and one one more thing I wanted to add that I've we since realized after completing the whole for the event, if you're having issues with the super kills, um, next week is mayhem in Crucible, which means you get your super like every like thirty seconds. It'll be really easy to get those thirty kills. So um, we're already past it, but if you're trying to like get like your second or third character there, um, that'll kind of help get you past that bump. I think. All right, guys, anything else before we go into shout-outs here? Nope. All right, sounds good. So for me, shout-outs, i got quite a few, actually. So first shout-out goes to Destiny 2 Shaders. So Bungie released some analytics basically saying uh, a number of things, but one of which was how many shaders have players broken down since the launch of Warmind, which is the most recent expansion. Players have broken down over 807 million shaders since Warmind launched. So someone actually figured out they took that number, they took the amount of time it takes to hold down the delete button and delete shaders one at a time, and the community as a whole, since Warbind, has spent 25 years deleting shaders. God! Yeah. So, um, they should probably fix that. I know that they said they're going to let you delete, like, five at a time through the Cryptarch, so I guess you'll only have to take five years to delete your shaders, but kind of a weird system. I, I, I'm starting to feel they might want to go back to kind of the... Uh, you know, just unlimited shader thing, but whatever, different, different discussion. Um, my other shout out goes to Ripley Riley. He actually bought uh, us a copy of No Man's Sky so we could try the new update. I haven't had a chance to do it yet, but we are going to check that out and play it on PC and get some videos up from that in the coming weeks. And the last one I have is to Livy for showing me the show Black Mirror. Oh, I, it was, you've never seen that? I have now, and it's really damn good like well some of them are kind of eh, but some of them are really really good that's a you, legit show i i cannot i guarantee we talked about it. i guarantee you we talked you you have shamed us he doesn't I'm he sorry. doesn't exist have, in the netflix world okay all right i, I have to ask what's your what's your what's your favorite episode <laughs> i have made him watch every episode oh okay he so knows them all now. i liked it's i've heard that people don't like this one but the one with the mechanical bees I really like that one for kind of the overarching metaphor they had about social media and people being aggressive and in, in threatening on online. That was really solid. Um, what was another really good one? I like the the dating one. That was kind of unique. I like the twist at the end of that one. That was pretty solid. And um, probably the, the was the ep, this is the episode one episode or sorry the season one finale, Livy, with the crime library. Crime uh, museum. Well, episode, season one finale, Livy. That the crime library. I'm I'm a huge I'm a huge fan oh, of the, Black Museum. Of the Terminator that's, yeah, doll. that was the last season finale. That was that was four. a phenomenal episode. Okay, it, 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 I yes. Oh my god! But I think that's the, the record, one that you didn't so you guys see. We'll watch that today. Actually you design, have a choice now. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually my my job right now is <laughs> I help design stuff like that. So I watched I went back and watched that on Netflix again with a whole different eye. Um, you based on some of the projects we're working on, and I was like, "Ooh, this got scary." 
Yeah, right, well, I, I think right? that this, as I, a yeah, show in general, I, I think, it's uh, very good at giving yeah. cautionary tales in a way that you go, yeah. that could actually happen. Like, it, it, it really has a lot of, I mean, it's obviously futuristic in the sense that the technology that they show isn't there yet, but you can see the, the vector that we're going on is going in that direction. It's like, we need to be careful because some of this shit's really, really freaky. We need to be careful because some of this shit's really well, some of yes. it's already yep. there. I mean, it's what, what nope. I forgot the name of. I think it was Nosedive, where she was striving what? to get her five stars. Yes, I think that was that was like one of my favorite ones because I was like, that, that is so real. And, and, and if you so didn't have everything you put out there, just like, oh my god, please like, like it, please like it. it is this is this now or is this in the future? What's going on? With oh yeah, pretty pretty it's much. Like, all the, all we need is the implanted contact lens, and that is basically TripAdvisor mixed with like Facebook. Yelp, you know, like going. Oh, yeah. Well, they no, they kind right. of did that already. They have Yelp for like well, love in, lives in where you China can rate is people based doing on their something exactly like that, where you can rate other people, yeah, based off of your interaction with them. If you you know forget to pay a loan, if you you know short some guy at a restaurant, you can rate other people in China, and you have like a social goodness score, I guess. Yeah. And that score is going to be used for like credit applications. If you can get certain if kinds of housing if you if you housing. can leave the city because the i think the facial recognition on their cameras also sees how many times you've gone out are you social do you go to public events and if you don't then you get less opportunity and the more social you yeah, are you I get think that's what really the world that pretty much open like to you it's already possible. actually it's, it's already, I mean, it's already no there crazy you know contact lenses but like you are being rated by everyone else you see in China, and that's going to dramatically affect your ability to do things in life. Like, it's terrifying. Like, no, that show is fantastic. We could probably do a whole episode talking about the different episodes in there, but it's really, really hey, good. And I, I am a horrible person for not watching. Yes, it you are. I, I have to ask. Did you go back and watch? Um, what God was it? A Netflix sci-fi show? The one I was raving about. Like, five. Yes. Did you go back and watch that? We watched some of it. I haven't finished it up yet, though. Yeah, no, it gets it gets kind of crazy. It does. I think but I got to start episode eight, and then it started like, going. What? I don't know about the rest. Of All right, so that was my very long shout out. Uh, Bait, you got one? Um, hmm. Yeah, actually, I do. Um, so we were talking about um, uh, Eve earlier, and about the the Serenity, the Chinese server. Um, earlier, I think it was. This is Friday, Friday or Saturday. Um, Works and Kings uh, um, put out a new video. They they do. Um, it's one guy that, that makes the videos, but they're they're an Eve uh, entity, um, kind of irrelevant now. But that's beside the point. They put out a, a, a really long video, it's about thirty thirty seven minutes long, I think it was, talking um, about the the kind of this conflict that was going on that involved basically everybody in the Chinese uh, server. Um, and kind of migrated itself over uh, naturally to tranquility. Um, so it was, it was a really interesting video, and it's about the kind of Eve video that you would expect, you know, talking about these big uh, romantic battles and whatever. Uh, but it, it was a really interesting uh, uh, watch, and it's probably oh, they make up there really on, on my like, list like of you know, favorite Eve videos. So shout videos. out to She uh, didn't know Eve. anything about Eve, so I was, like, giving the full commentary on it at the time. Um, but just trying to explain the crazy stuff they do, and their videos are very top-notch, yeah. so good stuff. All right, uh, Jay, you're up. Yeah, um, okay, mm -hmm. so shout-outs. I've, I've ripped through a bunch of stuff that I was probably going to shout-out to. I will not pull a Zell and have no shout-out, so right now I'm stalling time as I, as I generally just discuss what's in my head as I'm trying to compartmentalize them on the left side of my brain to continue to think of a shout-out right now. So I'm going to give a shout-out to my man, Jeremy Hunt, who is also a Fox News contributor, he is a guy that uh, he I he was one of my officers in my unit uh, in my last unit. Good guy, really good dude. Again, he's a Fox News contributor. Don't hold that against him. Uh, but he just got engaged, and like most people, he will probably marry up. So, shout out to Jeremy Hunt, Fox News contributor slash United States Army officer, all around good dude. Uh, well deserved, and I wish you well in marriage. All right, sounds good. And Livy, you're up. All right, so my shout out goes to and speaking of fees. 
Um, there is a new bee simulator out just called bee simulator. <laughs> bee simulator coming out by uh, Varsov Game Studios. And basically their whole thing is see the world through the eyes of bees and you get to go around and collect pollen and do wiggle dances and explore the world and it's all taking place in central park in new york um so you can play it with your family your friends it says choosing between three modes including co-op and uh versus split screen so if you like insect simulators that's not the creepy mosquito one from back in the day then this might be your thing (laughs) jesus All right. It's Jerry well, Seinfeld. That, that's our show, guys. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in. And if you have any topics for us, be sure to hit us up on biomass.com or you can hit us up with the Dust Veterans Discord. I know Jadik actually drops a lot of links for us in the Biomass channel on that server. So it's always appreciated. But that being said, have a good week and we'll see you next time. Bye.